Uh, happy New Year. Is that something you've, you've heard a lot these past few weeks? Maybe you've grown tired of hearing it. It's a good thing to wish for others, though. It's a good thing to wish for ourselves. We all want to have a happy year. So much, though, that often each year we, we look for different things that we can change in our lives to ensure that we will be happy. And in pursuit of that happiness, we begin to make lists, resolutions, things that we think are, are going to better our lives or better the, the lives around us and thus leading us into this happy new year. I, oh, you can throw that back up. I did some research. These are the top five resolutions of the for the year 2024, improve fitness, improve finances, improve mental health, lose weight, improve diet. All great things, right? Have you ever written some of those things down on your list, either for this year or maybe prior years? I know that I have. And again, those are all great things. It's great to have goals. It's great to want to better ourselves there's nothing wrong with wanting to be happy, but the problem is sometimes we base our happiness off of what we can accomplish, what we can cross off of the, that list. And sometimes, I don't know about you, if I fail one of those things on my list, my, in, my list ends up looking more like this. <laughs> I just scribble everything out. I'm done. I give up, rip it out of the notebook, kind of crumple it up and throw it into the trash. And then at that point, we begin to think, well, well, maybe that level of happiness, it's just not attainable in my life. We begin to think that uh, this year, it's going to be just like the rest. Sure, we will have happy moments, but they will come and they will go and, and we won't really change. Wouldn't it be nice if our, our happiness was not based upon what goes the way we plan or the, or the way we hope, our, our happiness not based upon how many things we can cross off of our list. Now, happiness that's not based upon what we see in the mirror or, or see in our bank account, a high level of contentedness that, that remains stagnant in our lives no matter what circumstance this new year might bring. The good, the bad, the ugly, no matter what we face, we, we have this attitude that produces positivity and hope, but that almost sounds crazy, right? That, that sounds backwards. That sounds upside down. Happy even when things don't go the way we plan. Happy even when our, our list is ruined and scribbled on and torn out and, and thrown into the trash. Happy even when things aren't going right. Happy even when we're feeling our worst. How, how can we access that level of happiness in this year? Is there a different kind of list we can work on? When Jesus was 30 years old, he began his ministry. He's baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And uh, his baptism, it was a beautiful moment. Immediately as Jesus comes out of the water, the, the heavens, they open up. Here's what the Bible says. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. And immediately after Jesus was baptized, he is led by the spirit into the wilderness to, to spend some time alone. 
During that time in the wilderness, he's fasting, he's praying, he's preparing himself for what was to come. Jesus, he was ensuring that his, his only source of direction was coming from God the Father. And you can imagine as Jesus is there alone in the wilderness, the the voice of God continues to echo in his brain. This is my son whom I love. Jesus, he he spent those days and nights in prayer anchored in God's love for him. He spent those days and nights reflecting on scripture. And he spends 40 days and 40 nights there in the, the wilderness, in the desert. And at the end of those 40 days and 40 nights, he receives a visitor. Satan comes to tempt Jesus, just like Satan uh, went to the Garden of Eden and, and he's, Satan is trying to shift Jesus' attitude away from God the Father. Satan begins to whisper these lies into the ears of Jesus. He's basically saying, hey, if you are the son of God, then act like it. Take the power, take the authority, take the control, take the glory, make yourself happy. You don't need God to do it. You can do it all on your own. Satan, he tempts Jesus three times and and three times Jesus, he resists those temptations All three times as as Satan whispers those lies into the ears of Jesus, Jesus responds, it is written. Jesus, he fights those temptations with the word of God. Scripture found in the book of Deuteronomy. And eventually Satan, he, he goes away from Jesus. He flees. And then Jesus now energized by the word of God, energized by spending that time praying. He, he embarks to begin his ministry. And he starts to go and and preach everywhere he goes. Here's what the Bible says. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Turn away from your sins, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. And during that time, Jesus, he chooses his disciples, these men, these these ragamuffins that that left everything behind to follow Jesus, to learn from him, to, to be fully engaged in their relationship with Jesus. And Jesus and these disciples, they begin to travel all over Galilee and everywhere they went, people began to learn more and more about Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus went all over Galilee. There he taught in the synagogues. He preached the good news of God's kingdom. He healed every illness and sickness the people had. News about him spread all over Syria. People brought to him all who were ill with different kinds of sicknesses. Some were suffering great pain. Others were controlled by demons. Some were shaking wildly. Others couldn't move at all. And Jesus healed all of them. Large crowd from, crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. So Jesus, he, he spends this time serving and speaking. He, he spends this time loving and helping. He spends this time healing those who were broken and, and all these people, they were drawn to him because of it. He, he created this, this huge following of people that would come from all these villages and towns all around. People that wanted to see him, people that wanted to hear him, people that wanted to learn about this kingdom that had come near and how they could become citizens of this new kingdom. Because the Jewish people, they had grown up with their own list, a list from uh, scripture, the law. But Jewish rabbis at that time, they kept adding things to that list. Eventually, there's 613 laws 
that these Jewish people are expected to follow and they, they just can't live up to those standards. They can't cross all of those things off of their lists. And so often people lived like they were outcasts of the kingdom of God. So they were desperate, stuck in a wilderness of their own, being tempted, not knowing how to fight back, desperate for something different, desperate for something new. Have you come today feeling alone in the wilderness, feeling desperate, desperate for change, desperate for comfort, desperate for a better life, desperate to maybe cross off some of the things on your list, desperate for happiness? In the wilderness, in your desperation, in your pursuit of happiness, what have you been reaching for? I remember when I graduated college, I had no idea what I was going to do next. I had I'd graduated with a degree in um, psychology, but I, but I knew for a fact this was not the path, the career path I wanted to go down. I wanted to be a teacher. I'd been going on these mission trips to Puerto Rico, and I'd fallen in love with the school there. So it became my dream after college to, to move to Puerto Rico and, and teach at that school. But in that moment, it just seemed like that dream was not going to come true. I'd gotten married very young in college. And um, once we graduated, I I began to feel the pressure of of figuring out my career. I I felt the pressure of even letting go of that dream of Puerto Rico. So I I became a substitute teacher uh, in the school district of Beloit. And uh, I, I loved it. I loved that job. I loved the schools that I got to teach at, the, the teachers and the staff, principals at each school. I, I loved the kids. Um, but eventually I began to feel the pressure of not doing that anymore because it wasn't consistent enough. So eventually I, I found something new. I, I used my college degree. Imagine that. And I got a job at the Janet Waddle Center in Rockford. Um, maybe you've heard of it. Eventually it merged with Rosecrans. But I became a caseworker, a mental health professional, working with um, adults with mental illnesses, helping them uh, cope, learn coping skills and, and do things in the community, grocery shopping and going to doctor's appointments, things like that. Uh, it was a rewarding job. I felt satisfied by, by helping the, these people that were often rejected and overlooked by the community, uh, but I was not happy. I was not thrilled with my job. I felt a high level of, of discontent. And most days I felt desperate. Most days I, I felt overworked. I felt stressed. And, and at that moment, there was just something going on in my marriage, something that was broken that I didn't know how to fix. So I just continued to reach and reach and reach for more Work. I continued to try and cross off all of these things on my list that I thought I was supposed to do to be successful in my career and in my marriage. I reached and reached trying to grasp something solid to hold, but it just felt like everything was slipping through my fingers. I remember thinking to myself, well, well maybe this is what being adult is like. There are good moments, there's happy moments, but those moments, they ebb and they flow. Those moments, they come and they go. I'd be in church every single week and I'd be in church sitting right up there. That was my spot. Um, Doing everything that I was supposed to do, closing my eyes, singing, praying. 
marking all of these things off of my list that I thought I was supposed to do to be a Christian, but I, but I still felt that discontent, even sitting in those seats, felt lost in the wilderness of mediocrity and desolation, lost in the pursuit of happiness going down all the wrong roads. When Jesus, eventually he sees this great crowd that has gathered that are beginning to follow him and the disciples. Jesus, he begins to lead that crowd and his disciples up the side of a mountain. And eventually Jesus, he gets to a spot, maybe he gets to a rock and, and he turns around, he, he looks at all the people and he sits down. Back then when someone like Jesus, a rabbi or someone like that would teach, they would sit as they teach and, and then everyone else would stand. I think we got it backwards, right? I should be sitting down. Um, but imagine Jesus as, as he's sitting there on that rock. He sees this beautiful view of the water. Maybe the wind is blowing in his hair. And then he sees the disciples standing before him. And then he sees this great crowd of people. Their eyes are just locked on Jesus, eager to hear what he would say. And these people that are, are lost in the wilderness, desperate to hear his words, a group of people who, who clutched a crumpled list in their hands, not knowing what to do with it any longer. And then the Bible says, Jesus, he begins to preach. Jesus, he preached his most famous sermon, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And this was a revolutionary sermon at the time. Jesus said things that the people had never heard. Jesus taught things, giving people this new and fresh perspective about the kingdom of God. Jesus, he, he was shifting. He was flipping the mindsets of those listening. He, he was drawing them closer to him, giving them a clear picture of God's heart, giving them a picture of God's desperate love for each and every one of them. Uh, this was a sermon describing new life, a sermon presenting God's pattern for happiness and success. Jesus, he begins this sermon with what is called the Beatitudes. The word Beatitude, it literally means blessing. So Jesus, he begins listing off these, these declarations of blessedness. Each Beatitude beginning with the words, blessed are. And the Greek word for blessed in this scripture is makarios. And that means happy. It means um, fortunate. It means blissful, but not just any normal kind of happy. This is like a supersized happy. This is like enlarged happy beyond life. So Jesus, he's beginning the sermon with a different kind of list, not necessarily a to-do list, but a list of attitudes, descriptions of what life looks like when we keep Jesus at the center of our minds. And through this list, Jesus, he begins to show a different route to happiness. So we can think of them as be attitudes, attitudes that we can apply to our everyday lives, attitudes that aid us in creating these happy and healthy habits, attitudes that help us become fully engaged in our relationship with Jesus Attitudes that will guide us out of the wilderness and into the kingdom of God. Attitudes that are progressive. And it's kind of like dominoes. You start with the first one, you knock it down, and all the rest just kind of fall into the other. So these next few weeks, as we work through this new series of being fully engaged, we're going to talk about each week these beatitudes. We'll go through the different beatitudes each week and how we can apply them to our lives um, and to our relationship with Jesus. So today we're just going to talk about the first two Beatitudes. The first one goes like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, he declares, happy are the poor in spirit. But what exactly does he mean by this? How how can we apply that to our lives? How do we apply that to our relationship with God? It almost sounds like a negative thing, right? How how can we be happy as a result of being poor in spirit? The, The Greek word used for poor in this description is pitokis. And it means reduced to beggary or begging. And the root word for pitokis, it's a verb meaning crouching or cowering, almost painting this picture of a beggar who's in the corner, hiding his face with one hand and his other hand kind of extended, hoping to receive. So Jesus is using this term that doesn't mean just poor. It means begging poor, painting this picture of someone who has nothing completely destitute having to rely on someone else for help. And he connects that, that status of poverty with the spirit, our, our, our spirituality. Being poor in spirit, it's admitting that because of our sinful nature, we are completely destitute spiritually, that, that our way, it is definitely not the best way. No matter how many things we accomplish on our list, no matter how, what we accomplish in life, apart from Jesus, we are spiritually broke. So we recognize our spiritual bankruptcy, that we cannot build any spiritual wealth on our own. We need help. We need a different spirit to guide us. So we stand empty handed before God, our, our hands extended towards him in humility, acknowledging our complete dependence on him, acknowledging that we cannot do this on our own. We recognize that there is no saving resources in ourselves, that, that we can only beg for his mercy and grace. So the first attitude, it's all about humbling ourselves before God. Happy are those who humble themselves before God, for God will lead them into his kingdom. We stand before God, laying it all at his feet, emptying ourselves and and telling God, we, we cannot do this alone. Your way is the best way. We're tired of living life apart from you. God, he has gifted us the Holy Spirit. So as we draw closer to him in our spiritual brokenness, God's spirit then begins to put those pieces together, leading and directing us, leading us out of the wilderness and into the kingdom of God, declaring that because of Jesus, we are now citizens in his kingdom. And as we turn from sin, as we turn towards Jesus with our hand humbly extended towards him, he will lead us into that kingdom. And that's when the dominoes, they begin to fall and we fall right into the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Once again, what in the world does Jesus mean by this? Blessed are are those who mourn. Happy are the sad and and those who are filled with sorrow. How how does that lead to happiness? In In the New Testament, there are nine different Greek words used to describe the sorrow that is felt in life, almost as if it's showing that that sorrow, it is woven into the fabric of life. There is no escaping it. And the Greek word used in this text is the most severe. It's the strongest form of mourning. The Greek word is penthutes, and it means to grieve either the feeling or the act or to mourn, to wail. And this form of sorrow, it was usually used to describe the grief that would be felt 
when a loved one passes away, this, this deep inner agony expressed outwardly by weeping. But Jesus, he uses this word mourn in a different way. He's not using it in reference to what you feel when a loved one passes. He's using this word mourn in reference to the sorrow that is felt when we recognize and acknowledge all the terrible acts that we have done, our, our attitude towards sin. We mourn, we grieve, we weep, we are filled with sorrow because of the sin that we have committed. Remember, it's like dominoes, right? The entrance into the kingdom of God begins with being poor in spirit, recognizing our spiritual bankruptcy, our need for Jesus. We approach Jesus empty-handed, pleading for God's mercy and grace. And as we accept that grace, as we are led into his kingdom, out of the wilderness, it, it brings us to this position of repentance, realizing all the mistakes that we've made, everything that we've done apart from God that we thought was right, everything that we did that we thought was going to bring us pleasure, we begin to realize how destructive, how painful, how, how selfish it all was. So we mourn. And that spiritual poverty, it leads to godly sorrow. A sorrow that comes from realizing the sins we have committed against God, our rebellion against God. So we mourn with godly sorrow because of the person that we used to be because of our disobedience to God. But, but get this, the blessedness, the, the happiness, it does not come from the act of our mourning. The happiness, it comes from God's response to our mourning. As we recognize all the wrong things we've done, all the mistakes that we've made, when we mourn those mistakes and we confess it and we repent it to God, he, he offers us forgiveness. He, he offers us comfort. David said this in one of his Psalms, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. Godly sorrow, it, it leads to God's forgiveness. It leads to God's comfort. And that's why those who mourn are blessed because we receive God's forgiveness and comfort as a result. So this second attitude, it's recognizing and confessing, repenting the sin in our life. Happy are those who mourn in godly sorrow for God's grace will be their comfort. And as we continue to grow and grow and grow in God's grace, we continue to grow in our awareness of sin, reminding us to always seek God's comfort, to seek God's forgiveness. Can you imagine the, the people standing there listening to all the words that Jesus is speaking and what, they're, what he's saying? These are things that they were not used to hearing. Jesus, he was turning their world upside down, revealing to them the true kingdom of God, a kingdom that is not based upon what is seen outwardly, but is more focused on what is seen inwardly, a kingdom focused on the heart. The Pharisees in the crowd of people, they were probably indignant. They were probably furious with what Jesus was saying because they refused to be poor in spirit. They, re they refused to mourn because they felt like they had done nothing wrong. They, they had their list, right? They were crossing things off their list, making them feel wealthy, making them feel powerful, made them feel prideful. So their source of happiness, it was coming from this glory that they felt because of the things that they have done or the way that people viewed them. But that type of happiness, that type of glory, it fades. 
that type of, the type of happiness that Jesus was explaining, this, this blessedness, it can only come from God. And that type of happiness, it is eternal. Jesus, he was calling that crowd of people to shift their perspective, calling his disciples to shift their perspective, to forget about, the wor- forget about what the world says happiness should look like and to partake in the happiness that God has to offer, a happiness that remains no matter what circumstance you might face in this life, a level of contentedness that is not affected by the trials or tribulations of this world. Uh, But it all starts with Jesus. It starts with us fixing our eyes on him, reaching for him in our desperation, leaving behind the sin and the shame and the pain, allowing him to lead us out of the wilderness and lead us into new life, becoming a citizen of God's kingdom. I remember one weekend sitting right up there Uh, In those seats, attending church, feeling lost in desperation, lost in the wilderness, working this job that I did not love. Um, Feeling broken in a a marriage that I I did not know how to fix. Wondering how in the world can I ever be consistently happy? What am I doing wrong? Uh, How can I ever feel hope? That weekend... um, the, the children's pastor, he approached me and he asked me if I'd be willing to start serving uh, with the elementary age in the children's ministry. Uh, he had asked me before and usually I always gave him the same response. I'd love to, but not right now. I'm just too busy. Maybe when things calm down, I was busy at work. I got so much going on. Um, and I was this close to saying that same thing that weekend, but there was something inside of me urging me to say yes. So I said, yes. And the next weekend, I showed up ready to serve in the children's ministry. I walk into the room apprehensive, wondering why in the world did I say yes? Can I, can I, is it too late to, to not just run out of here? There's the exit door. I could just run out of here, get in my car, drive away. Uh, but then before I know it, knew it, I, I felt these arms around me. And I, I looked down and they were kids hugging me that I had known from when I was a substitute teacher. And in that moment, I just felt like, well, maybe God has something planned for me here. I began to sit down with them later in the service and uh, led them in small group time. And as I taught them about Jesus, uh, as I answered their questions about God and the Bible story we were talking about, I I could just see this light in their eyes, this this curiosity. And it began to to, uh, light a flame inside of me. It became a blessing in my life. And after that, I served every single weekend. And I'm telling you, it's changed my life. And because of that, I continue to grow more spiritually. Uh, I continue to become fully engaged in my relationship with Jesus. But in that moment, I had to humble myself before God because I had to realize that I had been trying to do it all on my own. I've been trying to cross off all of these things on my list, thinking this is what's going to bring me happiness, trying to do it outside of God. So in that moment, I had to go before God. I had to humble myself. And I remember praying a prayer, God, I'm so sorry. It took me so long. Thank you for not giving up on, on me. He, he, he had been calling me not just to attend church, not to just sit in the seats and try to check off the things on my list, but to become a part of it. 
And so I got into a, the habit of, of serving every weekend. I got into the habit of praying more. I got into the habit of reading my Bible more. And those habits, they, they continued to keep me connected with God, continued to keep me fully engaged in my relationship with Jesus, allowing me to grow in the grace that we all receive from Jesus. And I had no idea what God was preparing me for in that moment, because just a few months after the, that, a few months after I'd started serving my, my wife at that time, she would leave me. She had fallen in love with someone else, fallen out of love with me, and she left me for that, that man. So even though that was a hard experience to go through, because I was fully engaged in my relationship with Jesus, he led me out of the wilderness of despair and heartache and led me to a place of peace and hope. God, he had a plan for something new, but I had to be fully engaged with him to trust his direction. And God, he has that same plan for you. Here's something God said to the Israelites when they were in captivity, the book of Isaiah, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing something new, a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams and the wasteland. And it's just like what Ryan was saying. There's so many different things that we can remind ourselves of what God has done in our lives. But sometimes we, we remember the bad things, right? We remember the, the, the things that didn't go right. We remember the Israelites, they were so focused on everything that wasn't going right. God is saying, hey, forget about that. Look to the future. Trust me. He was calling them to, to, to look to the future and see the things that only he can do. He, he was telling them, he was calling them to stay in step with him. Jesus, he was saying a similar thing to this crowd as he preached this sermon on the mount. He, he was calling them to change their perspective, letting them know that something new had come, that the kingdom of God, it had come near and it was standing right before their eyes, right in front of them. A new way out of the wilderness and into the kingdom of God, a, a new way towards comfort, towards happiness, a new way towards peace and hope. And God, he is doing new things in each and every one of you. He's calling you to shift your perspective and trust him. He's calling you to stay in step with his spirit as he leads you into something new so that you can perceive it when it arrives. And he will make a way through whatever wilderness you are facing right now, all made possible by his one and only son, Jesus. See, Jesus, he is our true root to happiness. And so we fix our eyes on Jesus. We, we stay in step with the spirit and then we make a new list, a list that we can take with us into this new year, a new list that only has one task, reach for Jesus. That doesn't mean the other things on that list don't matter, right? Those, those goals are great to have. We, we want to better ourselves, but if we try to accomplish it apart from Jesus, it means nothing. We add Jesus to our list. We add Jesus to our goals. When we make him the most important part, it will change everything. When we are fully engaged in our relationship with Jesus, when we put him before everything else, 
Our happiness then no longer becomes based upon what goes right in life. Our happiness then no longer becomes based upon what we're able to check off of our list. When our hand is in the hand of Jesus, our happiness becomes based upon the hope, the joy, and the peace that we receive from God's mercy and God's grace through Jesus. And those are things that will never change. The hope of Jesus, it is not based upon circumstance. The joy of Jesus, it's not based upon what goes right. The peace of Jesus is not based upon how many things we can cross off of our list. The gift of grace that we receive is based upon the blood that Jesus shed. It is based upon an empty grave and the joy, the peace, and the hope of Jesus. It is based upon a power that raised Jesus from the dead, a power that lives in us when we walk in step with the Spirit. And they are attributes that we receive because of our attitude of being rooted in what we believe about Jesus. They are not things that will ebb and flow. They are not things that will come and go, but they are things that will come to stay as we remain and stay in step with the spirit. Living out these attitudes, we do experience a a piece of glory, right? But that's what brings the happiness. It's not glory for ourselves. It's for the glory of God. And when we're living our lives, doing everything for the glory of God, that's when we experience that true happiness. So no matter what your wilderness looks like, approach the throne of God, stand before God, pour in spirit. Allow him to fill you with his spirit, with all that you need, making you a a citizen of his kingdom. And then mourn and mourn and mourn. Let go of the sin. Let go of the shame. Let go of the pain. Leave it all behind. Allow God's forgiveness to give you comfort. And then listen to the sound of his voice. Do you hear him whispering over you right now? Speaking to your soul, he is saying, I am doing something new. Do you perceive it? Trust me. So let's start this year reaching for Jesus, keeping him as the most important part of our list so that no matter what this year might bring in the name of Jesus, we will have a blessed new year. And here's what I love about these Beatitudes. Um, as I mentioned, they're, they're like dominoes. And as we, as we get through all of these Beatitudes in the next few weeks, you're going you're gonna to see that the, the, it kind of begins with our relationship with God, emptying ourselves before God, letting go of the sin, letting go of the shame and stuff like that, allowing God to fill us with what we need. And, that, and then that, all of that, those things that he fills us with, they pour out into our other relationships. Because here's the truth. If I'm not fully engaged in my relationship with Jesus, if I'm not allowing God to fulfill, to fill me with what I need, I cannot be the husband that my wife needs. Um, and as we are more fully engaged, it, it, we, we are prepared for whatever God has in store for us. And maybe, you know, the end of my story, I, I guess my story's still going on, but eventually I did move to Puerto Rico. Uh, eventually, I, I did work at that school that I had dreamed of, and eventually, I met the love of my life, my Miriam, there in Puerto Rico. 
had I let go, had, had I continued to just wander in the wilderness, who knows where my life would be, but he's still preparing, he's still leading, but we have to be able to perceive it. We have to allow him to fill us with what we need. We have to create these habits so we're continuing to grow and connect with him so that I can be the, the husband my wife needs, so I can be the father my sons need, so I can be a pastor in this church that you need. God, he is doing something new and he is calling you to partake in it, to be fully engaged with him as he does it, leading you, directing you, whispering over you, you are my child, I love you. Right. That's, that's my cue. That's like the, the hook. Get me off the stage. Um, but we want to help you in your pursuit of happiness because, because it begins with having those habits, reading our Bibles more, praying more. And maybe you're, you're being called to serve more. Uh, so we want to help you in that pursuit to happiness, that your pursuit to being fully engaged in your relationship with Jesus. So next weekend, we're going to kind of do something fun. Uh, not only are we going to have breakfast available for everyone, but in the cafe area, we're going to have tables set up. Uh, and maybe you've been to a convention before and you have all these tables that are set up. Maybe you've seen the office and Michael goes to the convention and he gets some swag. We're going to have swag for you guys to take from the tables. You'll go around to each table. Each table will be a different ministry in this church. Uh, you learn more about that ministry, how you could serve. If you're interested in serving, you could sign up to get more information or you'll even be able to sign up to start serving right away. But it's just gonna be fun. We'll have different things. It's a contest uh, to see who has the best table. So maybe tell people that mine's the best. I don't know. But if you would stand with me now, I'd love to pray with you before I hop off the stage. If you've come today feeling lost in the wilderness, desperate for Jesus and you want prayer, come forward during this last song. We will pray for you. Uh, if you've come today and you're ready to just give your life to Jesus, we've, we had three baptisms last night. We had one baptism this last service. If you would like to be baptized today, just come forward during this last song and we will baptize you today. But let me pray for you now. Heavenly Father, we come before you. God, we are so grateful for all that you have in store for us, for all that you offer. We pray as we leave this place, as, as those who are joining us online, as they shut off their electronic devices, that we would just know as we leave the happiness that you offer to all of us. So we, we just pray that we would humbly lay ourselves before you, God, that we would leave behind the sin and the shame and the pain. We would leave it at the cross and we would venture forth hand in hand with Jesus, declaring that everything that we try to do apart from Jesus, it means nothing. Allow us to live this life, living our life for Jesus so that as we go out, as we are in our community, as we are in our homes, as we are in the grocery store, as we are in our cars, that we are being a representation of the love of Jesus that would continue to bring more people that encounter that love to your salvation, to your grace, and to the happiness that you have in store for them. We thank you for the old God. We thank you for the new. We thank you for you being behind us and for you being before us. And we thank you for the gift of grace that we receive through Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.